Okay, so today we are coming back to a passage we were looking at last week a little bit. So we're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. But before we dive in, I'm going to pray real quick. God, I am so grateful for the life change we've already experienced today, God. And we're going to continue to believe that even now you're moving in this place. God, allow your spirit to lead and guide. God, I pray that you would speak, God, through me, God, but it'd be your scripture that is just shining brightly. God, it wouldn't be my words, it'd be yours, that pierce hearts, that change lives. God, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. So we started taking a look at this passage last week, and I said, I'm going to get to the best part of the conversation, which means I was going to go backwards to when Jesus actually has this initial conversation with this woman. And I was sitting working on this message, and I'm like, oh man, I want to say everything in the world that there is to say about this. I could literally preach about this little passage for a long period of time. And I was sitting there writing, and I, I sent a text message to our staff and our team. I was like, you guys need to pray for me to focus so that this isn't a, isn't a four and a half hour service, okay? And I narrowed it down, I promise. We won't be here this, that long. But I didn't know where to start, and I know I might get off topic, so I said, I'm going to give you guys the main points of this conversation at the very beginning, so if I don't come back around to them, you've at least got some takeaways of some things that we can see in this conversation that you can pull with you. So here's some of the main points that we'll be talking about and we'll see in this conversation. First one is Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of your need, and he's going to ask for something in each one of these things, though, but will you give him your attention? We get focused on our needs, but will you focus on your needs or will you give Jesus your attention? Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of your shame. Will you bring him your mess? And Jesus knows when you're frustrated and he wants to meet you in the middle of that frustration, but in that frustration, will you give him your worship? So we're going to look at this, John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 6. The first few verses, it talks about just Jesus coming through, that he had to go through this area, but we're going to start in verse 6. He's coming through Samaria, and it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So this passage begins that Jesus is tired from this journey. It would have been a couple days' journey. It was probably warm and hot, and he's sitting by a well, and he kicks off this conversation with this unlikely woman. If you weren't here last week, let me get you caught up. Samaria was not a place that Jews would have went through. They would have avoided it because they believed Samaritans were half-breeds, that they were worshiping the wrong way, that they were, they were just, you just avoid those people. They would take long trips around instead of just going straight through because like we, it, it, we just can't be around them. So the fact that Jesus went through there to begin with would have just been a little strange. Now a woman approaches, and it's a Samaritan woman. It's an outcast because she's coming at the time of day when most people weren't at the well. And a Samaritan woman to a Jew was seen as consistently unclean. So there would be times in the month when any woman would be seen as unclean, but they were seen as consistently unclean. Do not touch them. Do not be around them. Do not talk to them. Anything they touch is defiled, disgusting, just avoid at all costs. And Jesus starts having a conversation with this woman. And what struck me is he immediately places value in her by a simple request of give me a drink because what he's saying is that thing that you're touching, that person that you are, I don't see you as disgusting or defiled. I see you as somebody valuable who has something to offer and bring and give. 
And God is saying the same thing to you. Whatever somebody, maybe somebody has thought of you or seen you a certain way, and he's like, you all have something to offer. I said this the first service, and I had to kind of jot it down because I was getting off notes, but the God who created everything is asking the woman who thinks she has absolutely nothing for something. He's the God who created everything. And he sees this woman who thinks that she has nothing to offer. And he says, no, you do. You have something. So no matter what you think you have or don't have, no matter who you are in Christ's eyes, you are valuable. You are loved. You have something to offer. And Jesus wants to talk to you today. And what I believe is sometimes God will ask us to bring him something physical to open us up to a spiritual need. He'll say, hey, this physical thing that you keep focusing on, will you allow me to have a part of that so that I can open you up to something a little bit deeper, a little bit more spiritual? Some of us were so hesitant to give up our time or our money because honestly, that's the major focus that a lot of us have. And God is saying, would you just be generous with one of those things? Because when you start being generous, I now have an entry point to have a different kind of relationship with you. So he starts by just asking for a drink. Will you give me a drink? And as I read this simple opening line, it it reminded me of the magnificence of Christ's love. He asks for a drink because he's thirsty. It's like those commercials have been saying, and I think there's one playing in the Super Bowl today, it just says he gets us. He knows what it feels like to thirst. And we just glance over this, that the God of all creation came to live as a man and knows what it's like to be tired and thirsty. The same Jesus who walked on the water, the same Jesus who can turn water into wine, the same Jesus who can look at the wind and the waves of water and say, stop it. The one who existed before water even was a thing, knows what it's like to thirst. And he could have spoke to a rock and said, give me water. But he says, you know what? You've got something to offer. I know what it's like to be, uh, he can empathize with us as a human. And it's this thing that we might just gloss over, but that's how much he loves you, that he can empathize with our most basic need. He gets us. He understands what it's like to have a friend let him down and betray him. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows what it's like to be gossiped about, slandered, murmured. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to have joy. He gets us. That is one of the most incredible things in all of Scripture, that God became man and dwelt among us. And we just glance over when he says, I'm thirsty. He knows what it's like to feel the needs that I have. And what I want you to know is no matter what need you came in here feeling, Jesus wants to meet you there. Jesus met this woman surrounded by a place where they were coming to meet a common need, thirst. Yes, Jesus was physically thirsty, but the the question was really just an entry point to a deeper relationship. And it began around a common need. And sometimes he's going to say, hey, would you you give that need to me? Or would you uh, understand that I've met that need so that we can start having a different kind of conversation? And that was that first point I had. Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of your need, but will you give him your attention? Because this woman at first is trying to kind of avoid him. It says the Samaritan woman, verse 9, said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. 
How can you ask me for a drink? And then John wants us to remember again that this is not normal. He says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. My sense is she kind of probably got caught off guard. She's like, why is this guy talking to me? What's he talking to me? Is, is he trying to hit on me? Like, what are we doing here? Why is he talking to me? Why are you here? You're a Jewish man and you're not in the right neighborhood. What are you doing? But Jesus had a divine appointment with this woman. And you never know when God has you on his schedule. He might just show up in some, you're walking through the grocery store and all of a sudden you get a little nudge from God. He can show up when he wants to speak to you how he wants. And I believe for some of you, that's today. You showed up in this place just to kind of go through the motions of another Sunday and God is saying, hey, guess what? Listen up, I got something to say to you. No more waiting. This ain't the DMV. You don't got to take a number and sit and wait. I'm sitting here loud and clear, ready to speak to you today. And she may have thought, why are you talking to me? Do you understand what I've, what, what I've gone through in life? Do you understand my struggle? Do you understand all the pain and burden that I carry? Man, if you only knew, you wouldn't be talking to me. And some of you might be feeling that way too. If you only knew what my last week, what I did. I talk to people a lot when I'll, you know, I'll invite them to church and and they'll say, oh man, church wouldn't accept me. You don't even know. I'd probably catch on fire if I walked into church. We've probably all heard that one before. Man, this is exactly where you need to be. This is exactly where you need to be. And God is saying, I know all this stuff, but I still value you. I came here. He, he, he wants her to know, I came here to be with you. And he wants you to know the same thing. He wants to meet with you. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Again, she's only focused on what she can see. She's like, you are making no sense. You ain't got no cup. Are you crazy? You want to dive in there? What are you talking about? She starts to say, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman said, sir, Give me this water so that I don't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. Now, she doesn't quite understand what Jesus is talking about. All she knows is, I'm tired of coming back to this place, this same place over and over again, having to come in the heat of the day so that my shame won't be exposed to get water. And if you're going to help meet that need, because she's only focused on what she can see, and Jesus is saying, there's actually something different that I want to give to you. Because there's another well that you keep going to, and the same is true for us. There's a God-shaped void and a thirst for something in our life, and a lot of us try to quench it going to a different well over and over, drawing from this well of, okay, if I have just enough money, maybe that'll quench my thirst. If I have the right relationship, if I can just find a, a spouse or a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or just have a, another child, maybe that'll quench my thirst. Those things aren't even bad, but they're never going to quench the desire that Jesus has placed in our lives to know him more, to have a relationship with him. 
But a lot of us, we keep going back to the same well over and over again. And then we're wondering, why am I always still wanting more? It's because you're trying to fill yourself up with the wrong thing. And yes, this lady may be a little bit confused about what they're talking about. But when Jesus starts to talk about hope, when he starts to talk about, hey, there can be something different, there can be something new, all of a sudden he's got our attention. And I want you guys to know there's a hope and something new for you, and hopefully Jesus can get your attention today as well. So they begin to talk. And Jesus now has, his, has her attention. He's like, okay, I got her attention. Now it's time to go deeper. Because sometimes once God has your attention, now he's going to start showing and revealing some things in your life that may make you a little bit uncomfortable. So he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Now this is the part that for years, I think that I've gotten wrong and I think I've heard it wrong a lot of times too because we read something into this passage that isn't there. Forever I've read and been taught that this woman must have been some type of harlot, promiscuous woman. We've even been taught that she's divorced five times. It never actually says that. It just says she had had five husbands. And even if she had been divorced five times, it wasn't, women couldn't divorce men. That means five different times, even if she was divorced, had gotten rid of her. And it was as simple as this. They just had to walk into the town square and says, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. That was it, done. And they could divorce for all kinds of things. There were rules of why they could, they could divorce because the woman couldn't cook. Men, do not get that idea in your brain. Told them last service, call Domino's, okay? <laughs> they could also divorce the woman maybe because she was barren and couldn't have children. So who knows what was going on in the life of this woman? She may, she may have not been able to cook. She may have been barren. She also, we don't know, she may have been widowed at some point because there were also rules that if uh, women were kind of looked like as, as property. And so if a man's if he died, a lot of times the woman would then become the property of a brother or someone, another male in their life. She may have been promiscuous. We have no idea. We just read something into that text. And sometimes people do that, and you know this in your own life. They know that there's some kind of past there, and they start making up an entire story, and you're like, just, you don't know everything that's gone on. You have no idea what it feels like. You have no idea what's going on in my life. So I would encourage you guys, man, get to know somebody deeper before you start making some kind of weird conversation about who they are. Get to know them in a new way. What we do know is that somewhere along the way, she's been rejected over and over and over again. And we do know that right now she is living in a sinful relationship because she's living with a man who's not even her husband. That would have been sinful. That would have brought in a lot of shame. But in that time, during that period of time, a woman without a man was not in a good position. They would have lacked protection. They would have probably, you know, ended up with, without a good source of, of food and shelter. And they could have easily just died. And so she said, I'll take shame over death. I'll take shame over death. 
if that's what it takes. So let's not read something that is not in the text in there. Because we all know what it's like to have shame and regret in our lives. And she comes during the heat of the day trying to avoid people. Because that's not a normal time for a person to go get water. It's too hot. But she knows if I go there, maybe I'll just be able to avoid anyone else. And then there's this guy that's just sitting there wanting to talk to me. Because again, Jesus shows up when he wants. And Jesus, he acknowledges the pain. He acknowledges the shame. And he asks her, first thing he asks her is, hey, bring me some water. So there's a need you have. There's a need I have. Let's meet in common ground. But then he says to bring him something else. He says, bring me your husband. Bring me your husband. You bring me the thing that you think protects. You bring me the thing that you think you can't do without. You bring me the thing that you've already been rejected by time and time again. You bring me that thing and let me introduce you to something way better than that. We have a God who doesn't reject. We have a God who protects. And he's saying, bring him to me. I kind of wonder, what would Jesus do if, he brought, if that man ended up in front of him? Because we've seen what Jesus did with men who didn't treat women well. And for him to be with shacking up with a woman, that wouldn't have pleased Jesus. So Jesus says, bring all that pain and hurt that you think you can't live without and bring it to me. Now, she does what most of us do. Most of us do this. When God starts poking at something that hurts, we've all had that. He's like giving you a little nudge like, hey, you know that thing? You know that thing that you keep trying to hide from me? That's the thing I want to talk about and expose and work on. Hey, that thing that you think nobody knows about? I know about it because I know about everything. I'm the creator of heaven and earth, and I know what's going on. That little thing that you keep trying to tuck in your pocket? That's the thing I want to talk about. And that's what he was doing with her. And he, she did what a lot of us do. I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. She immediately said, what you're saying is kind of, you know, she didn't say this, but she said, um, that frustrates me. Okay, this is what frustrates me about you. You guys talk about worship, and she just goes on this whole different thing. Let's just talk about worship then. Let's not talk about this. Let's talk about something else. And Jesus is so gracious, so good, so loving. He's like, okay, as long as you keep talking to me, we'll keep talking, and eventually we'll come around. Some of us, we feel little nudges and nods and pokes and... And it, it gets a little uncomfortable and uneasy. And so we just give up talking. Like, we don't, we don't want to hear from God anymore. I don't like this. This makes me uncomfortable. And Jesus said, if you just keep having a conversation with me, we'll come around to a real moment of life change. Don't give up. Don't give up. Even if it's about something else, God's like, okay, well, let's just keep talking. That's making you uncomfortable? Whatever. Let's talk about the next thing. He just keeps talking with her. You want to talk about worship? Let's talk about worship. So... Jesus goes there with her. Let's talk about worship. And for the last piece of this message, as we talk about worship, I want to go to a different version of Scripture. And it's not one that you can turn to or or look up. It's one that comes alive visually on the screen. And obviously, whenever you you see something come alive on screen, they're going to give their artistic license to it. But they do their very best to honor what's there. So today, I want to just take a short clip. A lot of you have seen The Chosen. And this interaction between Jesus and this woman at this well. And I want you to just hear and feel how they talk about worship. 
and how she experiences this incredible moment of life change with Jesus. So let's take a look. One of my favorite things about it's in that passage of scripture, and they showed it on the screen, says that she left her water behind. The first thing that Jesus said is, I thirst, and he asked her for some water, and she's like, she started talking about him not having a cup and all this stuff. She came there for one thing, and she ended up getting something else, and she just left behind the thing that she thought she couldn't do without. Some of you may have came to church expecting one thing and God is ready to give you something new, something different. That's what worship is. It's just saying, I don't care about any of this other stuff. I just want to have a relationship with Jesus and I want other people to know about it as well. It's not about doing this, that, or the other thing. We've, take, we've taken worship and we've turned it into a genre of music. We've taken worship and we've made it this thing we do for about an hour on Sunday. Man, worship is a whole life of a relationship with Jesus. When somebody says, when do you worship or where do you worship? All the time, everywhere. It doesn't mean that you're always singing, but you got a joy in your heart that you're always ready with a song. That song is a testimony of what God has done. There's an old song that was kind of just ringing through my head, especially even just watching this this passage and it just says I'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you it's all about you Jesus sometimes we've made worship even the experience of singing I love that we have lights and nice chairs and all the fun things that a church has but man that's not all there is to worship worship is about is my heart connected to and focused on loving Jesus Jesus 